Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Krause House podcast. I believe it's episode 20. We kind of stopped counting. I have no idea. Commodore, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm not, not, not doing great. I've, I've, been, I've been pretty, not terribly sick, but like I think I have not tested positive for, for COVID or anything, but I certainly feel like I'm, I have the symptoms of it. And I've been just like a pretty solid, you know, couple couple steps behind in terms of my feeling but this exact moment i have some some coffee in me i'm having a, an afternoon bounce back so i'm excited to to get back on the podcast and record with you and that's i think a lot of that that energy is is it's uh superseding any of the sickness yeah i, I love how your first work initiative back from being sick is recording a podcast i, I love it i you know <laughs> you know where the priorities lie but cool yeah like so much to go over it's been a it's been a long time i think holidays I was sick myself, combo sick, sick. It's, it's just been a long time. So I feel like there's almost infinite amount to go over, but what better way to start out than just talk about some, some NBA stuff. What is, what are kind of some high level topics of the NBA that are kind of interesting you right now? I'm personally loving all of these, these, you know, the Lance Stevens, Lance Stevenson's coming back, the Isaiah Thomas's <laughs> like, I'm just loving all of these dudes getting these opportunities to, to either come back or, or for the first time crack into the NBA and have some incredible games. And so it's just been, I feel like it, this is such a great time of the season for this to happen is where, you know, these, these players, this kind of lead up to kind of post Christmas pre all-star break, it's kind of a, a lull in the season anyway. So it's just, it's been fun to see some of these rosters just get crazy and some of the highlights. And I don't know, it's been, it's been kind of fun for as crazy as in the, the change in quality of the game. What about you? It's a really good point. I mean, we are in kind of the doldrums of the NBA season. It's like post all-star break, you get the the playoff runs. You know, we are the beginning of the season. It's a lot of hype. I think around Christmas time, right? It's like you're home with, with, with family, watching those Christmas day games that are always exciting. This is a little bit of a weird time. So it's nice to have kind of like a overarching NBA headline to kind of to kind of follow along. One of the things that you mentioned, Lance Stevenson, obviously kind of a, a fan favorite. One thing that really stuck out to me was the Scotty Hobson story. I actually played against Scotty Hobson in AAU ball, actually. And so I saw him go to Tennessee, really, really solid college player. I think he either went late second round or perhaps on draft. In 11 years, played in nine different countries, like moved his family all around, just trying to make it. And I think Oklahoma City assigned him and he actually got some playing time. So Kind of inspirational story. I think he was on a few, maybe 10 days before in the league, but like his first real like playing, playing time experience with, with OKC during all the pro COVID protocols. And like, regardless of how you get there, how you make it, like that man's been kind of chasing his dream for 11 plus years. So that was really ex in inspiring to see. And like, you know, you have obviously the fan favorites in Lance Stevenson, but you got some people see a play that like, that, you know, you recognize from college or you've, you've seen their headlines before. Maybe they had some high school highlight tapes that are just now in their late twenties or thirties starting to, to make it to the league. And like, that's just always awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I feel like they are all, I mean, I know if I were in their shoes and I finally cracked it and get on the court, like I'm shooting not every time, but I'm, I'm shooting oh, a you're, lot. You I are, am like, you are, you are chucking the ball up. I don't, yeah. don't be coy. Oh yeah. You're pulling. Yeah, from I am, court. I'm getting some looks. I would rather <laughs> make it 
and take, you know, 10 shots and get pulled for taking too many <laughs> shots and not welcome back. Because, dude, there's a, you know, what I mean, whatever the probability on that, probably something like 10, 20 percent chance you make all of them. And you might you might get signed on for the rest of the year. Like the asymmetrical upside of just shooting every time and maybe just being on fire that night is worth it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Lance Stevenson did that. If I'm not yeah, mistaken, like he, did, he, had, yeah. he, had t- he had 20 in the first quarter. Like he, you know, Lance. Was, yeah, yeah. He was like, "Hey, this may be the, my last opportunity to play in the league, so I'm coming out firing." And I, I, I don't waiting for Jimmer. Okay. Who's gonna sign Jimmer? Oh, yeah, someone's got to sign Jimmer. Absolutely. I feel like there's a few names out there that like you're kind of like head scratchers. Like, why aren't they on a roster? Beasley. I mean, we watched Beasley in summer league. He wasn't terrible, but like. I mean, considering you know what I was some impressed of the about, yeah. I was impressed about Beasley is how much he was kind of coaching up the young guys. Yes. That, that was, was really, actually, really cool that, to see. Yeah. I, and I, I didn't watch, obviously, Beasley. Like, I watched him, you know, as a casual fan, you know, seeing him in the tournament and obviously through his media. But, like, I never, like, went to a game or, like, watched it in, in detail him. And I'm assuming, I mean, maybe this, maybe I'm just being, like, judgmental, maybe is, is the right word, but, like, he never seemed like a coaching type. Like he just seemed like a guy who, and he, the way he tweets and all that stuff, it's like, I get buckets, sure. I score. For sure. Like he's yeah. not helping up the next wave of player. And dude, you're totally right. Summer League, he was like an assistant coach, basically. I mean, he was like, during dead balls, he was talking to people on the, on the bench. He'd be sitting there and he'd be like drawing. I mean, he, he was like 100% locked in. It was awesome to see. Absolutely. I, there was one time out where I think, I think the coaches, the coaches even sat down and he was leading the huddle. Like, like I, I, he was, he was fully involved in, also, too, Trenton Watford, who came from LSU, was the Blazers' first-round pick. Um, and every single moment that there was something to be coached, it was Beasley kind of, you know, teaching him, teaching him the game. That that was that was really cool, cool to see. What's what's kind of like, you know, we're coming up on halfway through the season. What's kind of been like your biggest surprise of the of the NBA season thus far? I mean, yeah, I know the Chicago Bulls are a little bit less hot than they were out of the out of the gate but Chicago Bulls kind of jumped to my mind the this is a, a homer answer as well but DeMarcus Cousins getting released from the Bucks was, was a surprise for me those are the two I'm blank there's a team that's completely dominating and blanking and I'm sure I'm sure that's probably your answer but well, those are the yeah, two that well, I, honestly come out to my mind I this this may be it um I think I'll, I'll go like really specific and it's Taylor Jenkins and what he's been able to do with the Grizzlies. Like that, that's like seeing jaw kind of develop and seeing kind of what he does with the, with that Grizzlies roster, which isn't like terribly impressive. And I think they're at the, like the second or third spot in the West right now, just playing really well. I even looked at, uh, I don't have any sort of notes in front of me. I don't know what kind of on their win streak they're on, but you know, they've, they've won out of the past 10 games. They, they've won a decent amount. And I think I saw that seven or eight of those, they were actually underdogs. So they're like, not just, not just winning, but they're, they're beating teams that are technically favored. So that's, that's just been really, really cool to see. And so I wouldn't be surprised if someone like that, if they can continue this, this general pace, right. Not to stay this hot, but this general pace, I could see him winning coach of the year. Yeah, that certainly has a, a recipe for it. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's let's shift gears to the to the Kraus House. We are we're currently mid season, season two. I feel like post post crowdfund, I call this I keep referring to I can't shake this term of like we're kind of in this like filtering phase. Like so many good ideas, so many, so many things have been bubbled up, so many interesting opportunities. That's more of like 
okay, where, where do we focus our, our time? So maybe let's walk through some of these, these work streams that have actually made it through the pr proposal process, possibly been put on snapshot or either, you know, going to be on snapshot. Yeah. What are some of the things that are like worth updating and, and, and perhaps some, some interesting things that have been emergent opportunities as well? Yes. I mean, th there's a bunch. So Flex and I, we're probably going to highlight just a, a few of them and probably some of the ones that maybe we're touching a little bit more, but there are, there are plenty uh, of them going on. And so, you know, I think D Jerry's Digest might be able to recap kind of all of the, the different areas that are going on, but legal is something that's kind of on my plate is what kind of legal structure will Krause House use for not only the kind of the social DAO element, but as well as some of the ownership positions that will, that's kind of a, it's an really interesting challenge in the broader DAO space because there's really not a clear guideline of how DAOs should be legally structured. There's, of course, the Wyoming DAO bill, which a lot of lawyers will tell you that it's not really worth it. It's just more restrictive version of the Delaware LLC operating as a DAO kind of pattern. So there's just a lot of conversations to figure out, like, what do we want to do with our structure? And then what do we need to interface with in the real world? And that's what the legal structure really empowers you to do. So we're really assessing a couple different options. We're talking to about two, two lawyers that have been really helpful in thinking about all the different opportunities we want to pursue. And then what are those different structures? And so I just one thing I'll just share with the with the audience is, you know, if you think about Krausehaus really is like an incubation space. That's like the social DAO of a bunch of people who share this vision of wanting to see decentralized fan own teams as well as operations of those. We're a group of people that are trying to build out those opportunities. And so some of those things are going to be very direct and saying like, okay, like let's go pool a bunch of capital and buy minority stake in a you know MBA team. Maybe it's to go buy an esports club or something like that. Maybe it's to do something even, you know, crazier. What's the legal structure required for each one of those things? So when we think about the social DAO, it's sort of like, hey, it's probably a little bit more this kind of nebulous, kind of broader brand entity thing. And then each sub DAO is really each opportunity and that will have a very concise, specific and probably pretty rigid legal structure for exactly what that is. And the, good, the great thing about that strategy is allows us as a social DAO to kind of operate in the ways that we need to do. But then as we engage in the real world with each opportunity, then we have like a, like a very specific thing to go do that. So that's kind of, I wanted to touch on legal. What, what, are, some other, what are some other work streams that are kind of on, on your radar right now, Flex? Yeah. Um, one of those that comes to mind, I think, is some of the, the partnership opportunities that we have kind of emerging. I think when we first, we first got started, kind of putting them into, into buckets, um, other web three communities, maybe some, some basketball related brand partnerships. But what's been really interesting to see is, is the partnership, at least on the inbound side, has been kind of all over the map, which is kind of exciting. Right? You have certain NFT projects that, that are, that are really interesting and, and not just like we talked about a pure financial play, but actually things that we could kind of use as a, as a community building tool as well. Even also too, uh, we've talked about going through these reps of governance and, and team ownership. Like I said, owning kind of having a, a NFT based private league or something like that may not necessarily be reflective of, of how to operate a, a, a real team, but you kind of get some interesting reps of like doing things decentralized and building out some, some voting, voting mechanics and, and probably finding some interesting insights on how to do that uh, as we uh, ladder up to not only fan-owned teams, but fan-governed teams as well. We have an important one coming up soon, which I don't want to spill too much, but really, really exciting opportunity from another really strong, uh, powerful Web3 community that we have a, a lot of alignment on. So 
that probably will be our first official partnership, which we're really excited about. There's some alpha leak there that, that probably within the coming weeks we'll make an official announcement. But again, super excited about that one. As you know, we have a soft spot for product and thinking about DAO tooling and the problems with DAOs and, and some of the opportunities that emerge. And so one thing that's been really exciting to see is, is all these people, fascinatingly intelligent people and coming from all different backgrounds, not just tech, really trying to solve all these, all these web three and DAO specific problems really around not only just tooling itself, but like human coordination problem. And so partnering with the right companies are on there to kind of figure out our process, maybe starting them more manually up front, but then also leveraging some of these tools and some of these ideas out there to, to really hone in on those process and, and make DAOs a little bit more efficient. I've been having some really awesome conversations with founders, different entrepreneurs and, and working groups that are really, really thinking not only hard about this, these problems, but also in a very in innovative way with a unique perspective. So that's something that, that those conversations that I'm continuing to look forward to have, uh, and bring on a few partnerships is there as well, but like really a wide variety of, of, uh, huge spectrum of people that are really interested in, in getting involved with, with the cross house, which has been awesome to see a any, any other ones you, I know, I mean, I know there's, I know there's more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one quick one is just finance of like, you know, how do we think about, you know, the quote unquote accounting of, of a DAO? What does that look like? What is the, you know, the QuickBooks equivalent of that? Just making sure that we have healthy, you know, hygiene associated with, with how we're tracking the funds and, and all of that. Another one is the New Orleans team is really exploring this idea around courts. And I just think mm -hmm. it's a really fascinating idea of like going into communities that could benefit from be having a court redone or, or added uh, to their local park or whatever. And then doing that with some crosshouse branding, tying that back into the initiatives uh, of the New Orleans teams, kind of broader working with the community. And then injecting some crypto native stuff. Like, I mean, you imagine the court is also an NFT or the court's actually fractionalized and like all of the people putting forth capital own a piece of the park, you know, from a digital perspective, but the city itself owns it and the local kids get to play on it, right? There's some really cool, I think, crypto native opportunities that that team is starting to explore that are really, really exciting to me as well. Absolutely. Two other teams I want to highlight. I don't mean to actually I'll, I'll, I'll separate them because they're surely different enough, but two teams I've kind of been impressed with, with the philosophy that they've, that they've had out of the gates. One of those is called, we're calling the, the, the DSO team, the decentralized sports operations. That's a group of about, I want to say six or seven folks, people ranging from NBA trainers, former analytics, legal, all that have worked in variety, variety of capacities with front office NBA franchises. And what's really interesting about that team is they're basically analyzing each of the business units and the verticals within a, in an organization or in a franchise and looking for opportunities where decentralization or community centric design could actually add value back into that organization. So things like scouting and analytics, right? Can a group of people in a discord actually get together and improve and supplement the existing analytics team on a, on an NBA franchise. Absolutely. You know, the, the Los Angeles Lakers, one of the most storied franchises in NBA history has an analytics department of, of, of one guy, right? And so could we have people in the crosshouse delivering insights, delivering value back into their organization as token holders, like without a doubt, we think of things like stadium operations. We think of things like sponsorships and media deals. All that is done by, we, we kind of forget, but all that is done by groups of people that work for an organization 
that could probably use some help in doing that. As we know, there's a lot of talent in the Krauss house that we can leverage to go and do that. So basically what, what that group is doing right now is maybe not all of those things that, that should be decentralized or, or should be lobbed over a community, but they're worth investigating. And so what's been really interesting to see about that, that team is reaching out to people in the front office, leveraging their connections and really doing user research in R and D around those different, those different units and different verticals to look for entry points that offer low risk, high impact returns for the cross house to get involved. So anyway, that's super cool. And another one I want to touch on is I will bucket these two, the G league exploration team and the international exploration team. Basically whether those are looking opportunities for obviously the G league, but then the international more overseas. We have a, a former NBA draft pick who's currently playing overseas that is is really interested in helping out with the Krause House and leveraging him some some of his connections on possible opportunities to to buy overseas franchises anywhere from from Europe, Canada, Australia, you name it. And also uh, the team lead there spent a lot of time in partnerships, specifically working with overseas teams, leagues, and players. So stuff that they're finding out and the opportunities and how. People think about those teams that aren't in the NBA is really, really fascinating. So those are, those are some, some teams that have a lot of velocity out the gates, albeit it's really early on, but what they've been able to kind of decipher and, and who they've been able to bridge these connections to has been really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been fun to see all the different kind of smaller teams tackle all these emergent opportunities. And another one I want to highlight too, is that I feel like a lot of people have reached out and said like, hey, I've I've put forth a minority ownership bid in the past or, or I am a minority owner <laughs> or, you know, my family member is a majority owner, whatever it may be. And so we've really, I think, quicker than I maybe intuitively would have expected, I think, especially after the NFT sale, there's just been a lot of doors that have been opened around to explore this minority ownership angle and really understand it. And what I think has been really fascinating about it is we've really been beating the drum that, you know, a DAO just owning on the cap table of anything really non-MBA, but specifically the MBA, you know, that's interesting, but it's just sort of like a new legal structure. It's really the governance that we're really, really interested in. And it's an important principle to kind of keep coming back to. But what's so powerful about the minority position is if you find the right majority owner who has the belief in some some form of delegation, even if it's simple for V1, but a roadmap to make it more meaningful over time that, you know, you can get a lot of leverage out of a minority ownership position pretty quickly. And so what's been exciting about that is that, you know, we've just been connected with a lot of super talented, well, well networked and, and you know, high net worth individuals who are like, Hey, I, I would love to help to do this because I've, I've done it a bunch and like, like, tell me how, 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 like what to do next. Right. And so, you know, it's been really interesting to start thinking about what is the, sales pitch to these majority owners on why they should delegate these things to us and why Krauss is the right group more broadly to do that. And so it's been this really unique thing because I think you actually had called me one day and you're like, hey, we should almost reframe this as sort of instead of being for a majority ownership perspective, it's a reactive acquisition process. You're sort of waiting for an owner to feel comfortable or a situation to arise in which the team is going to be sold. With a minority position, it's a much more proactive sales process where you're saying like, hey, like we're willing to pay a competitive, healthy valuation and here's what we bring to the table as minority owners and will you delegate? And so now all of a sudden it's a, you know, you're going to all of the NBA teams and saying like, hey, let, like let, Krauss House should be a minority owner at your team and here's why. 
And so it's really nice because it's a very direct, specific next step for us that's exactly in our roadmap that is very in our control. And I would say now, given kind of the scale that we're at and some of the connections we have, we now have access to now say, okay, like instead of us just like emailing, you know, owner at, you know, mbateam.com, it's like we, we have intros and, and we can make decks and we can, you know, we can actually start talking about making it happen. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, we are, we are so convinced, not only, not only but pre-Krauss right? We knew this is, we, we look at this as an inevitability. Um, I think more importantly, we don't necessarily look up at this as an NBA owner or, or the NBA necessarily doing us a favor, but we can really add a lot of value from being on the cap table. And I would argue that we could add more value than your standard ownership group could. And so it's really about the, like you said, developing the pitch, doing a little bit about education. Like what is, what is a DAO? What are the fin- fundamental reasons why? DAOs could truly bring, increase the value, increase fan engagement, increase kind of community around your, your franchise, which in turn will improve the valuation of it. And so, yeah, these, these, these warm intros and then kind of refine, refining what that pitch looks like and and our selling points is kind of more of a proactive approach as as opposed to maybe more of a reactive approach with, with majority ownership. But yeah, that's, that's something I'm so personally excited to have those conversations because we just, these are things that, that we're fully convinced should exist and now getting in front of the right people to actually explain that. And you start seeing the gears turn a little bit. It's like, wow, wait, this actually makes a lot of sense. So in full transparency, these conversations are happening probably a lot sooner than, than I had, than I had originally anticipated. I think that's a little bit, you know, probably split it between what we've been able to do and, and the talent we've been able to track, but also kind of broadly across the DAO ecosystem, what other DAOs have been able to accomplish in such a short period of time as well. So yeah, it, it, like there's, there's a lot of momentum right now. It feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's, and there's one last one that I was hoping to kind of tease a little bit for our audience. And it's definitely in the kind of tangential space of the Krauss house kind of charter for lack of a better word, but we've been really kicking around and exploring this idea of building uh, an agency like Krauss agency. And it's really interesting on, on a bunch of different fronts, but obviously, you know, working with some of the top talents in, in the NBA as, as a DAO, and this would exist as a, as a sub DAO, which would be its own independent legal structure. But, you know, it's kind of this interesting idea to say, Hey, like the way that you do an agency and the way that you sign players has worked in a, in a very particular way for a long period. It has pros and cons, of course, to just like any kind of existing business pattern. What does it look like if a DAO owned and operate one of those? And at first pass, you're like, well, it's, it's kind of, it's so structured in sort of an opposite way that than most agencies might work, right? Like typically an agency is going to be relatively small. Of course, there's some bigger agencies where they might have, you know, let's call it like a dozen or so the agents and then a support staff, but they're still like, you know, smallish organizations compared to like large, large groups of people. And so when you have a DAO, like you say like, Hey, like, what does it look like? Like a thousand people doing some of these things, helping athletes do crypto native things, allowing them, you know, to tap into to web three broadly building products and, you know, SaaS businesses for them and doing that in a, you know, very web two native way. There's all these kind of interesting opportunities to compete in just kind of asymmetrical way of, this is kind of 
classic disruption. And it's like kind of worth, I think, a bet at it. So there's just something interesting there. It's still really early. We're talking to some super talented people that are interested in potentially making this into a thing. The last thing I'll say before I hear your thoughts on it is around, you know, to become an, a licensed MBA agent, you, you basically need to have a bachelor's degree and you have to pass this test. And the word that we're hearing on the streets, the test's not all that hard. I think it costs, you know, like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or something like that. And you take the test. It's the test is available for like six months and then you become an agent and now you can go sign people. The hard part is obviously getting deals done. But what if you apply that to a DAO? When what if you then are able to bring them back into a world like Krause House? Say, hey, we signed someone and now we're going to help you do crypto native things mm -hmm. with our crypto native community. It's really compelling. Anyways, I'll stop. Flex, what are your thoughts? Yeah, what's really interesting about it, right, is that we always kind of challenge each other as, as kind of longtime friends to, we subscribe to this kind of like disruption theory. And when you look at how agency models work today, not much has, has changed in, in several decades. Now, what's really interesting, and we've had the opportunity to speak with rising high school talent and some, some possibly some, some for, former players as well, both overseas and even in the NBA. And, and generally speaking, what we've seen over the years, there's, there's really two interesting, interesting thoughts. One is as little as 15 or 20 years ago, players didn't really think much about life after basketball. Yeah, there was endorsements and things like that, but I think we're gradually seeing the shift and probably the best example is something like LeBron, you know, making the move to LA and being very transparent. That's like, I'm setting myself up for the rest of my life. I'm playing basketball for a fraction of my, of my entire life, but I will spend most of my life in retirement. And so how do I keep, continue to build this generational wealth and leverage my brand well after my playing days? And so very few, you know, like I said, 20 something years ago, very few players really thought about that. It wasn't, it wasn't really, you know, that they were ignorant to it. It's more that they, that, that, that kind of information and that accessibility just wasn't there. And I think you're seeing the rise of the digital age where people are getting more involved. Players on the Warriors investing in tech companies, right? Le LeBron more in like media and branding and stuff. But even today, right, that is somewhat reserved for the LeBrons, the KDs, the Steph Currys of the world. And so what play, what's interesting from having these conversations is that these players are now starting to think about that as early as high school, which is, which is kind of this fundamental shift. And so can a community of people man, like manage these players, have all the licensing to, to represent these players, but get them involved in media brand deals, launch their merchandise, Shopify stores, spin up their podcast, edit their podcast, create video content, edit their video content, just prepare, like stake part of their contract to these DeFi protocols to earn passive income launch their NFTs, can you get them to think about life after basketball before their basketball career even, even started? You think about when well, we're graduating from college and we think about 401ks and retirements and pensions and things like that. Um, why not do the same and set up these, these, these passive income streams and these, and these long-term income streams and continue those for those players? What we found out is that players think about that they want to focus on basketball as they should. They figured by and large that if I can just only focus on basketball, then those will come, those kind of deals will come to me later in my career. And what we're thinking is, well, what if you don't have to choose? What if you could focus on basketball 
earn your income there and have a community of people who are experts in these fields generate that stuff for you. So it's, it's a really interesting way of, of thinking about kind of the athlete more as a brand than a basketball player. The athlete more as a, as a person who's going to build their career rather than just, I purely pay ba play basketball. And I think there's so many opportunities to do that. And so many people out there that would be willing to help people do that, that I think maybe some of the bigger agencies are possibly thinking about this, but by and large across the board, most agents are not thinking about this. So anyway, it's, it's very interesting kind of emergent opportunity that we haven't really thought about and we haven't really, or sorry, we didn't initially think about, but piecing all together from all these disparate conversations brings up this really interesting opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot of interesting, you made a comment about the disruption theory and you know, the, the, when you have an agency and you're, you know, hiring all these different, you know, people to do all these different tasks, it's like those costs are kind of, are going to scale directly with what you're doing. And I think one of the things that DAOs can have a benefit of, and you know, of course you need to get everything right in terms of security tokens, you know, like all, all this stuff, right. But, you know, imagine now you're distributing, you know, a token of the player back to the DAO members to help them do the things they're wanting to go do. And so they're, they're actually sort of like invested in the player with them, as opposed to the agency having to go and like outsourcing, you know, freelancers to do tasks that then the players indirectly paying for through, you know, a commission on their contract or, or the deals that they're sourcing. So it's just like an interesting, it just feels like one of those experimental bets that should be tried out. And I'm imagining this army of like, what if Krauss Agency has, you know, 500 licensed agents and it has 5,000 people who are just like super excited to help out with these particular athletes that are on the, on the rock. And then of course you can do traditional USDC based bounties and things like that to, you know, kind of compete with traditional problems and solutions on a one-to-one -one basis, but you kind of have this whole world and then you really hone it in on the types of players that understand where this is all going, which I think is really interesting too, because if you think about like players as a market, you know, the younger players are the ones who are growing up now in the, in, in the TikTok world, they're being exposed to the NFTs and cryptocurrencies. Like yes. this stuff isn't weird and crazy to them. The KDs and LeBrons, they're smart enough to, to know that they want to, you know, be involved. Steph's obviously a great example of that. But it's not native to them. I'm sure that they have someone on their team who's explained it. You know, someone like us generally who's like nerding out about it. And they're like, yeah, dude, like that sounds cool, man. I'll give you $5 million to do stuff. Just send it by me. You know, like it's probably that conversation. Whereas some of these 16 year olds are probably like, dude, like, like I need to do a TikTok thing that does it. And then like you said, they're like, well, I'm, I'm going to play basketball. Like I don't have time to do both. And it's like, well, those players haven't signed on yet. But they're thinking that and the world's changing as well. And so there's yeah. this gap right now. And in five years, that gap won't exist because the players will have signed their agents and they'll have grown up and there will be another phase and Web3 will be everywhere. And like, so there's this interesting gap right now where the traditional agencies all exist and they have basically all the players and the players aren't really fully crypto native yet. Obviously, there's exceptions and the, the market's going to change and maybe a DAO owned agency is a big disruptor in that. And maybe it's worth experimenting. Yeah, the gap is really interesting. Like I said, there's there's some macro things going where if you were a subscriber to the creator economy, which I mean, it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point, and that creators themselves are the new brands. Mr. Beast launching more burger, more burger shops in one afternoon than In-N-Out did in the previous 60 years, right? And like, 
you know, which is, which is crazy, but it, it, there's no reason why athletes can't, can't do that as well. And so, yeah, we are in this thing where they're so focused on basketball that they're, that they feel that they have to pick. But like, if we had a team of, let's just use one specific example. Let's use Shopify. If we had a group of people, it wouldn't have to be big, maybe five people to source manufacturers, develop a Shopify store, figure out logistics, do all your plugins, do that for seven, eight, nine athletes, right? And just be like, Hey, if you sign with our agency, here's your merch line. If you want to sell a, a specific product, like we can help with all that. Don't choose between the two. Like, like you focus on basketball and, and, and we do what, what we're good at, which is these crypto native, crypto native media merchandising. It's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's really, really compel compelling. Um, and maybe, and just maybe we own an international team, a la an MBL team or something somewhere else. And maybe there's this amazing conduit as well to, to start integrating sort of this portfolio, this synergy conglomerate effect that some of these DAOs may tap into as DAOs kind of figure out what exactly we're going to use them for in society. But like, that's also really exciting. It's like, you imagine that we have a minority, there's a, like it's all under the Crosshouse brand, but there's a sub DAO that has, you know, a minority or sorry, a majority position in an international team that, you know, maybe like some of those players are getting signed to those teams. And like, you know, you sort of get this like little web of really interesting value creation for not only the players, but the kind of the DAO more broadly. So just fun to experiment. If people are listening and you're like, hey, dude, that sounds amazing or it sounds like a terrible, please, you know, constructive criticism is always preferred. But hey, you know, if you want to blast us on Twitter, go for oh, it. Oh, yeah. But, Feel free uh, to plenty, roast us. <laughs> yeah, plenty of people don't need that disclaimer. But but no, <laughs> we'd be super curious just to hear, you know, people's thoughts. If you have experience in it, <laughs> if you think there's an angle in whatever it is. But, you know, we're we're starting to explore for, for talented folks that might be interested in taking this kind of, we've kind of done some pre-vetting of just kind of like, hey, is there something here? We've talked to some some agents, we've talked to some some prospects, et cetera, just to kind of see what people are thinking about. We think there's something here, but now it's, I think, getting to that point of like, okay, like let's talk about moving it into like an, an MVP stage and seeing seeing what sticks. So if you're interested, tweet us and uh, let's hear it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for checking this out. I know it's been a while, but we are we are definitely changing that. We are healthy. We're happy. We're excited for 2022. Let's do this thing. All right. Wag bad, everybody. Hucks and six.